0: So I just found out that the French translation of Hufflepuff is "poof souffle." "Poof souffle." That's just fantastic. <laughs> what up guys it's your boy darren here should i do that should i be one of those like youtube guys that like yo today we're gonna be unboxing chapter 11 as you can see looks pretty bad no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be that guy i kind of want to be that guy there's like a part of me that wants to be that guy and then a part of me that just Wants to live my life and make fun of children's books, you know? It's a real struggle. It's a real struggle. It's a struggle between good and evil, really, if you think about it. And that's the theme of today's chapter. And But first, we have to slug through a whole bunch of bullshit to get there. So here's what happens. Uh, first of all, Harry's bones grow back. We don't even get, like, a couple of chapters of Harry waiting for his bones to grow back. Not even just, like, a little temporary disability. We're just gonna move on from that shit like it didn't even happen. And honestly, that's disappointing. It would have been a cool choice for him to just have to be one handed for a little bit. Like maybe the ostr- ostracization Is that a word? Ostracization of differently abled people could be explored. Uh maybe we could talk about the way that students deal with him changing from like celebrity darling to outcast freak. Uh that would be kinda cool. But no. Bones grow back in a day. And that's all there is to it. Or even just make it, like, something that is, that matters to the story. Like, I don't know, like, oh my god, the the evil guy at the end of the book, he has too many bones. Like, we gotta do a bones spell on him. I know how to do a bones spell. Or like, you know, like, oh, his one weakness is he can't stand being hit with a rubbery, boneless arm. Like, I don't know, just make it make fucking sense into the story. That's all I'm asking. That's all I want. So then uh, Ginny Weasley is, like, scared because Colin Creepy was turned into a statue, and everybody in the school is scared, and she is one of everybody. And so her brothers, like, dress up like scary dudes and jump out at her from behind statues? Like, you know, like, let's take this traumatic episode in this person's life and just amp it up a little bit. But the best is that the description says that Harry felt like George and Ron... Or Georgian fucking, I don't know, Ron. What, what's the other dude's name? Fred? Th- those dudes were going the wrong way about cheering her up. Like, Harry is so stupid, he just thinks it's all a big misunderstanding. Like, no guys, that's not how you cheer someone up. That's how you frighten and torment them. You got it all wrong. And then, so then we get a description of the weird sad kid who lost his toad, and he's all scared too. And he gets tricked into buying a bunch of dumb bullshit to protect him. And so it's basically like, remember me? I'm still a weird, shitty, scared kid. Hope you didn't think the fact that I overcame my fears in the first book would have any lasting impact on my development as a character. My growth was temporary, and I have since regressed so as to put myself uh, in a position to replicate the exact same character arc once again. It's like, well, why wouldn't my character arc be identical to the last book? Harry's sure as fuck is. And then the book tries to, like, get back into the actual plot, of Harry and the gang making the weird potion to trick Dracula Kid into thinking that they're his friends so that they can ask him some hard hitting questions and expose that fucker. And the book keeps doing this thing that I find really tedious. It's like way too invested in the specifics of all the nonsense potions, but without explaining any of it, it's just like. So Harry's swelling solution was far too runny, but he had his mind on more important things. So it's like, first of all, who gives a shit? about whether his swelling solution is runny or not. Obviously not Harry, because he has more important things. And not the fucking narrator either, because the narrator can't even be bothered to explain why a fucking swelling solution being too runny matters or doesn't matter. The narration is just like, nah, I just wanted to waste some time not explaining some dumb detail about the magic shit. And now you have to read it and be confused. It's like, seriously, explain the magic shit or don't. I don't care. Just fucking pick one and do it. And then the narrator says that Snape bullies the sad kid who lost his toad. How did he bully him, you ask? Unclear. We don't know. But it happened somehow. And then Harry sets off a firecracker in the cauldron of one of the dudes that's, like, friends with crappy Dracula kid. Like, Gargoyle or whatever his name is. And then, like, chaos ensues. And... The swelling solution spills everywhere and it's like a fucking actual thing that just like makes people's body parts swell up. So of course, crappy Dracula gets like a big old swollen nose because he's a liar. he's on some pinocchio shit. that's what they're going for there. maybe I don't know. And then the gargamel kid gets the solution on his hands. And he gets big old hands. He's like the fucking dude from the everlong video. and he starts slapping people around with his big old hands. and then bossy Girl sneaks off to steal some potion shit while this is going on. That was like the plan. And Harry's like, Snape knew it was me that lit that firecracker, and they're all like, no way, how can he prove it? And it's like, I don't know, because he's a fucking wizard? And then there's like a time jump to a week later, and someone posted a notice for a dueling club, and the book is just like, Seamus Finnegan and Dean Thomas told them about the dueling club. Like, oh yeah, Seamus and Dean, good dudes. Who the fuck are these people? This is like the scene in the room where the two random people just walk into the house like halfway through the movie, and you have no idea who they are. And it's not even, like, two random dudes from Ravenclaw named Seamus and Dean. It's just, like, Seamus Finnegan and Dean Thomas. You know those guys. No, I don't. And then they all go to the club, and, of course, it's being taught by Sue Grafton, and, of course, there's more time dedicated to Sue Grafton being a bloviating idiot, so that's fun. And then he's like, my assistant is Snape, and he gives Snape a look. Like, you're my son now. Your kids call me Daddy. And so, apparently, the first rule of Dueling Club is that you wave your dick around. Metaphorically. Before waving your dick around. Less metaphorically. And okay, I will forgive 80% of what happens if Sue Grafton accidentally removes all of Snape's bones. If that's what happens in this scene, cool. But that's not what happens. So they duel, and, and they literally pull out their wands and wave them at each other because that's how you duel in this universe and snape yells out expelliarmus and Grafton yells out phallic Symbolarmis oedipal insecurious no he actually yells I'm, I'm gonna read this here he yells four inches is completely within a normal distribution that's weird that's a weird thing to say And then of course he loses and he goes flying backwards and crashes into a wall and some people cheer at this and at least one person is concerned for his well-being and Harry and Ron are completely indifferent. And so then they make everybody partner up like because it's it's a duel you got to partner up and Snape is like Ron you partner with that Irish dude that we just made up a few minutes ago Seamus and Harry you partner up with the most obvious person we can think of to build tension for this story crappy Dracula kid. And so they duel, and Harry does, like, a tickling spell or some shit. And Crappy Dracula Kid does, like, a breakdancing spell on Harry. So he's all laughing while Harry is, like, popping and locking. And then Boxy Girl is fighting with some giantess woman. I don't, it's fucking, it's all chaos again. And then Sue Grafton is like, why don't we have the weird sad kid who lost his toad get up here? And Sam is like, no, that kid sucks shit. Let's have Harry Potter and Crappy Dracula Kid. And Sue Grafton is like, you're right, fuck that kid. And so then they duel... And crappy Dracula kid has a fucking giant black snake come out of his wand. So we have, like, concentric fucking phallic symbols right now. Then the black snake goes and starts to attack some random kid named Justin. And Harry is like, hey, snake, don't attack Justin. And the snake is like, you're right, I'm being a dick. Literally. And then the snake goes all limp and impotent. And, like, honestly, I don't even have the energy to unpack all of the symbolic sexual anxiety going on in this scene. And so then everybody looks at Harry like he's insane. And finally, Ron explains that Harry is what's called a parcel mouth who is someone who can talk to snakes. And he talked in a snake language called parcel tongue. And he did it without realizing it, like he was in a fugue state. And then he's like, I remember this other snake that I talked to one time and he told me about wanting to go to Brazil and I thought it was weird, but whatever. And they're like, yeah, see, it's because you're a fucking freak who talks to snakes. And Harry's like... But talking to snakes is badass, A. Plus, I saved that random kid's life. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Remember that Slytherin guy? His shtick was that he could talk to snakes. Like, that was his whole fucking thing. And you know how much everyone hates that guy. They hate him so much that a whole 25% of the student population identifies with his basic personality characteristics. So you know they hate him. So then Harry, like, gets all, like, emo teenager on us, and he's like, I am not a Slytherin guy, I'm a Gryffindor guy, I'm brave, not evil, I'm gonna go find that random kid Justin and tell him that I'm brave and not evil. And so he goes and he tries to find that Justin kid, and he goes to the library, and there's all these Hufflepuff kids, and they're all, like, gossiping about Harry, and they're, like, saying exactly what Ron and Bossy Girl told them earlier, so we just get a repeat of that, and they're like, eh, you're a fucking evil guy, you like snakes. Does no one think, like, hey, maybe that crappy Dracula kid who who made a snake shoot out of his fucking wand, maybe that guy has something to do with the snakes? Maybe he's a snakey guy? No, they're all just like, no, Harry's evil. And so they're talking, and they're like, yeah, he's evil. And then one girl's like, but he seems so good. And then someone's like, maybe he's good and evil. And then one dude is like, maybe we should deconstruct the category of evil altogether and think about morality in terms of, like, a complex network that involves both the choices we make along with the circumstances and the systems that condition those choices and over which we can exert no meaningful control and they're all like nah fuck you Carl and then Harry's like I'm standing right here and then they like argue about whether Harry is evil with Harry and then Harry leaves and he runs into Hagrid and Hagrid is carrying a dead rooster and Harry's like hi Hagrid cool dead rooster and Hagrid's like thank you and that's the entire scene basically and then Harry finds Justin the random kid and of course he's petrified And so is Nearly Headless Nick, who's, like, right next to him. And Harry is like, oh, shit, what do I do? And just then Peeves, remember that weird asshole ghost from the Gregoraki movies? He's there, and he's like, oh, Potter, holy shit, bad stuff is happening. Harry Potter being a bad guy. And then everybody comes running out, and they're like, Harry Potter's evil. And then Peeves starts singing, like, an accusatory song. And then Professor Catwoman is like, shut the fuck up, Peeves. And Peeves is like, you're right, I should shut the fuck up. I'm annoying as fuck. And then they take Justin, the random kid, away. And they're like, what the fuck do we do this nearly headless Nick? And so they, like, fan him. They, like, create a fan and fan him away. Like, they basically treat him like leaves and leaf blow him, like, up the stairs or whatever. And Catwoman is, like, to Harry, like, you're coming with me. And they march up a windy staircase to where Mumblecore lives. And that's the end of the chapter. So, okay. These are my thoughts on this chapter. This chapter is super unfocused, it's so scattershot, like, the beginning is just, like, jumping around all these different places. It's a total slog, it's way too long, but then there was a sort of forward momentum towards the end, and I kind of like the idea that everyone is turning against Harry, and that he's even questioning himself. That's cool. I think it's weird that no one is thinking that perhaps crappy Dracula kid, who created the snake out of his wand might have something to do with this especially because he was also the kid that everybody heard say the thing about fuck you muggles or whatever and he's generally a bad guy and harry is generally a good guy so the fact that the entire school is turning on harry is weird but at least it isn't one of those things where it's just like oh i lost my bones oh i got my bones back yeah and that's i mean that's that's pretty much all there is i wonder what i wonder what mumblecore is gonna say to harry You'll be like, ah, oh, we're you're, you're one of the evil guys, huh? That's cool. And then they high-five. That's probably what's going to happen.